Joining me in the studio now, continuing our, our Ask an Expert segment, is uh, Professor Sam Banks. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for having me here. Look, I've been looking forward to you coming in. I am uh, a little bit of a croc fan. They terrorise and fascinate me. <laughs> They're like living dinosaurs that are just hanging out with us. They last forever. They can lose an arm, lose an eye, lose whatever, and they're still out there swimming around doing their croc stuff. And they come from all over, which is why your research is really so exciting. So saltwater crack crocs, you've you've gone off overseas to, to get some DNA testing done so that we can follow where they go. Timor Lissi is where you were. Yeah, we had a bit of a... Um crocodile whodunit scientific expedition to his team more recently cool. to get the DNA. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So when you when we're looking at grabbing DNA of different crocs and putting them into our database over here, is that so that we can work out just how far they travel? Like, do crocs have passports and think, where are we going this year for the annual trip? I'm not sure. They, I don't reckon they actually need them. One of the, <laughs> the sort of background to the project we're doing is almost, I guess you could think of it about where to where do croc borders start and end? Mm. We know where our, where our national borders start and stop, but, you know, there's the whole of Southeast Asia one crocodile nation and how broadly do they move across that? And how far can these buggers swim? Well, I'll let you know in a couple of months. The longest <laughs> record that I've heard of is um, some work that Hamish Campbell, who also works here at CDU, had done looking at tracking crocs around Cape York. They moved about 400 k's or so, but they're pretty lazy buggers really i think in that case the crocodile sat and waited for the ocean currents to go in the oh, right direction and, and floated its way home yeah. you can sort of guess that they're not the most energetic kind of animals really so no unless mm. they're like going at you because mm. they mm. move pretty quick then yeah, holy yeah. cow yeah. so when you're over in um timor listy from what i've read from the information that was given to me they have kind of a different relationship over there with their crocs than we do here. Yeah, it was an interesting place. It's definitely croc country, just like mm. the top end is. Um, and, you know, like anywhere, there's different perspectives on them. If you go back to the sort of myths of the origins of East Timor, that involves a story about a boy riding into the ocean on a giant crocodile that kind of formed the island itself. And a lot of local groups there will have... Um, traditional stories about crocodiles being their ancestors so they're quite highly valued and you can't harm a crocodile but on the other hand there's a lot of croc attacks there these days more than we have here and so you know the attitudes to them are starting to get a little bit conflicted why so many croc attacks why more now than before look we think that the crocodile population's increased mm. substantially over there, but there's not really the same kind of information that we get here where we've got a lot of good government scientists and researchers yeah. who do those sorts of surveys annually. And Sam, when you were over there and you were getting your DNA samples, I've, I've read the story of a salty named Maria. Yeah, a lot of the croc samples we got were actually pet crocodiles. See, so this to me is nuts. Yeah, you know, if you look hard enough, you'll find them here, Mel. Oh, um, maybe no. you don't want to know. No, no, um, I don't. We, we got three of them from the special police unit in Dili. There was one that we got in the suburbs of Dili. A lovely family had Maria who lived in their backyard for about 35 years and had her since she was a wee little one-foot-long croc. Just in the backyard. Maria's hanging out. Yeah, she was a pretty mellow crocodile. I know they um they said they when they can afford to get her a chicken, they'll throw one in every couple of weeks, and if they can't, she'll start complaining, and they 
sing to her to shut her up until the neighbours throw in over the fence. One of the... I know the, <laughs> the woman who lived there said her husband did come back rather late one night from a big night out and fell in the pit with Maria. But she sort of politely moved to one side and waited till he got out. So and I guess let him don't, snooze don't, off. Don't buy the, buy the hand that feeds you or the, or the hand that feeds you. Let him snooze off the big night. Yeah, yeah. Why wow. Not? Mm. And everything in me wanted to make a crocodile rock joke. <laughs> like, what do they sing to the crocodile? Yeah. Anyway, so, um, and it's interesting that three of the crocodiles you got DNA from, the special police. What are they using? The, is that to make special crimin- criminals special disappear? <laughs> like... I'm sure they work as a pretty good deterrent there. Yeah, yeah. I imagine, yeah. Oh, mm. So when, we, when you're collecting those DNA samples and you're bringing them back here and, and we've got a fairly large um, sort of collection yep. of, of croc DNA here, what do you think about is it 700 samples that yeah, I read? Yeah, we've got about 700 of them that we've done the DNA sequencing on so far. So we're putting together a bit of a almost a reference map of genetic differences between yeah. croc populations. So that means if we get a croc over in his Timor, we can work out whether... It matches up to a population near Darwin, near East Timor, or we're getting samples from Borneo and Singapore and other areas there. So you can work out whether it was born locally, did it come from some, sorry, from somewhere else, yeah. did its parents or grandparents even come from somewhere else? Because I guess the, the story of its ancestry is really sort of recorded in its DNA. So we can sort of, when I was going on about crocodile borders before, you can mm. use that information to sort of put together, you know, Where's their family history and how far have they moved in recent generations? Uh, are crocodile numbers increasing? Are we seeing them drop? Is it seasonal? Is it locational? It's They've certainly recovered pretty well since they were... From the cold were, days. Yeah, from the mm. cold days, 70s or so. Um, certainly from... This is not really my area, but some of the rivers around the NT, we think they've about plateaued. Right. Um, and so the it has been put forward by various people that the croc increase in East Timor might be because we've had such a successful program over here that now crocodiles are starting to move more oh. broadly. Oh, okay. um, but I guess we don't really know the answer to that yet. So the kind of DNA work we're doing from an East Timor perspective is working out, you know, do their crocs or the increase in crocs over there that seems to be happening, is that from local breeding or are they getting some from Australia swimming across or even other areas? So, I mean, if that's the case, we'll see what we do about it. But it becomes more of a international or regional management plan rather than something that stops at our own territory or national borders. And when you talk about a regional or national um, sort of action plan or or looking at controlling those numbers, would it be difficult to work with a country that reveres them? If you're looking at what numbers are safe and where they're moving to? Yeah, look, I guess that's a discussion that will have Mm. to happen. Um, I, I found it an interesting place to talk to people because on one hand you'd have people saying, look, these are really culturally important animals and we don't want to harm them at all. But at the same time, we're happy to consider modern science. And if you show that, hey, a quarter of them come from Australia, and I'm just speculating here, well, those ones aren't our ancestors. So They're not your like crops. too stressed about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. They're um, not yours. So I think people were very open to taking on board scientific evidence and thinking about cultural values too, which is quite, quite a refreshing yeah. sort of conversation. With the, with the work that you do and, and getting those samples, is this work, um, the results or the findings from this work, will that come far past your time? How, how long do we have to watch the sample of, of a croc before we actually link up and find one 
that's related? Have you found um, DNA evidence that's showing, hey, this one's here from all the way over there and that one's... Like, uh, what, what findings are there now? Look, at the moment, it'll take us a couple more months to work out um, to do the DNA sequencing for the East Timor ones. Um, so far, we've got a pretty good database from around the top end um, and we can sort of work out that they tend to move kind of within broad regions, so the sort of northeast of Darwin around Kakadu area down to the Adelaide River seems to be kind of one big pool of crocodiles that move yeah. around fairly well. We've sort of been tracking where some of the Darwin Harbour ones come from and putting together that bit of info. So, yeah, we're starting to get a bit of info coming in. You only need to get the DNA once and sort of have a reference map of those genetic differences to pinpoint where it was born. Mm. So it's, yeah. And what's the value of the information? I guess... You know, I'm a scientific nerd, so I'll sort of <laughs> rabbit on about value of any new biological information mm. to you for hours. From a management perspective, I work with a really good scientist, the NT government and PhD student of mine, and he was interested in kicking off this project, actually looking at where the Darwin Harbour crocs come from. And there's the new information that we can use to maybe manage the number of crocs that come into Darwin Harbour or think about them in different ways, think about what are those sources, maybe even can you think about using egg harvesting in different oh, ways. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, um, And so, likewise, again, from the East Timor perspective as well, it's just sort of what are the ways of managing sort of human-crocodile conflict that are actually going to work in the long term. Yeah, so. and what's next for you? You've had your trip, you've got your stuff. Yeah. What's the next step? So, at the moment, we are starting to get the samples ready to extract the DNA, and we kind of do a... We don't sequence the entire genome of a crocodile. Um, things aren't quite that cheap yet, even though DNA technology is moving really fast. But we um, take a little snapshot right across the genome of each crocodile and we sort of match up genetic patterns and yeah. East Timor crocs, Australian crocs or whatever. So that should take the next two or three months. Crocs are fairly hardy. Do you hurt them when you take their DNA? We'd How do you do it? How do you get it? I mean, I can't imagine you get a giant Q-tip and just swab the inside of their mouth. No, it's a long pole with a little biopsy spear on the end, so you sneak up and jab them in the tail. Right, yeah. yep, give them a quick... Um, basically, when we're here, we've got a boat and go around and spotlight them at night and give them a poke. It takes them a, it takes a little, about a two-by-two-millimetre plug of skin tissue or something like that. Yeah. We also get a lot of um, samples from croc farms who have, you know, they collect eggs and yeah. get sort of egg material or, you know issue from that so so yeah everyone's sort of been contributing to the project it's a sort of good crop farming and research community in this yeah. part of the world so yeah there definitely so is yeah. the webs over there do amazing stuff but yeah. uh, you know it's they're incredibly fascinating and terrifying animals you know like mm. i i couldn't imagine having a maria in my backyard and stumbling home from a few drinks at Kazali's and falling into a pit and thinking well this will be nice i'll cuddle up with the old girl for a bit like that to me is terrifying but i'm um, you know for other people cuddling up to a pit bull's terrifying yeah so, they're, you know, look, they're kind of appealing when they're about 20 centimeters long i went out to crocodilus park recently and got to look at some of the new hatchlings and you thought come on can i have one yeah but, I suspect it wouldn't go down that well at home yeah. in 10 years' time, especially. Don't be mad mm. at me, but they're kind of appealing to me when they're in boots. <laughs> Matching belt. Nice purse. Just quietly. No comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Professor Banks, it's been a pleasure having you in. Best of luck with the work. And if you do happen to stumble across just a spare purse or boots, or you know where to go, right? Will do. Have a great day. Thanks.